Pastor Xavier Reese with important safeguards for our freedoms in Christ. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are edified. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So I want to be free in liberty, but at the same time not be a bull in a china store. You know what I mean? Why would I want to do anything that I used to do in the world that brought me pain and destruction and others? Why would I want to do them in the Lord now? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. No longer do Little League baseball players play for fun. Walmarts have all but eliminated mom-and-pop shops. It sure seems that the theory of survival of the fittest has permeated every area of our life. From sports to business, winning seems to be the battle cry for everything we do. Well, today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier takes us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 as he shares a lesson that offers a contrary simple truth for the ways and means of the world. Let's listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at the entire chapter, 13 verses, and the message is entitled, Knowledge Without Love is Destructive. Let's begin here, the problem with knowledge. Knowledge is inferior to love, verse 1 through 3. Notice the Apostle Paul declared the contrast between knowledge and love. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So Paul points out the potential problem with knowledge. Knowledge often causes people to be arrogant rather than humble. The evidence in the first four chapters marks the prideful boasting of the Corinthians. The trust is human knowledge and wisdom as opposed and inferior to the knowledge and wisdom of God. And Paul rebuked them, first four chapters. Now he stated this in the context of things sacrificed idols, so keep it in the context, okay? There were those Corinthians who thought they knew perfectly about the issues of offering things offered to idols, pro, cons, as for Christians. They had it all wired. It was very neatly packaged. Then there were others who were not so sure. They weren't sure about the consequences, and even if a Christian could partake of these things, I don't know. Again, these are greater areas that, that you have people on both sides, okay? Notice Paul pointed out the potential benefit on the flip side of the coin of love. He says, love edifies. The word edifies means to build up, to erect or restore, depending on the context, how it will be used. Knowledge inflates one's head of self-perception of who I am, while agape uses knowledge to serve others. And there's the tension between the new man and the old man. The old man's always pulling me. The world is pulling me. Satan's pulling me. And I have to hold the mark. I have to stay within the yard. You understand? You see, the Corinthians were acting out of pure knowledge regarding the things offered to idols here. Uh, perhaps in a very dogmatic way without consideration of love for those who did not quite see it their own way, and they were looking down on them and not really building them up. So the knowledge is okay, but, but love has to come alongside. We may run a tight ship, but those on board wish it would sink. Notice, secondly, verse 4 through 8, the problem with people. Knowledge is not equal with all people. In verse 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul identified the mature believer in relationship to the knowledge of things offered to idols. 
Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, he says, Paul specified the problem, the eating of things offered to idols. Keep it in context. Now, look at 6. He points out that for the believer, there is only one God. Yet for you, there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him. The word yet marks the contrast again between the pagan and the Christian. This comes from the Shema of Israel that's repeated, that was repeated twice a day in the morning and the evening. The Lord our God is one. Look at 7 and 8. Paul stated that the mature believer has to understand that there is not in every believer this mature knowledge. He marks the contrast back to the immature believer. The word, however, is a strong contrasting conjunction. It looks back to the previous verse, but also back to verse 1. Not all have this knowledge. He pointed out there are always immature believers in the church. Now, notice Paul stated that some immature believers have a difficult time with eating meats offered title. So he puts his finger on the very problem here. For some with conscience of an idol until now eat it as things offered to an idol. He points out that some cannot allow themselves the freedom to eat these meats offered to idol without believing they are partaking with the idol. You understand? Notice he pointed out the problem was they were acting against their conscience, these weak believers. Their conscience is weak. They feel guilty. It does not allow them to eat freely. Notice here, Paul stated that food does not affect our relationship to God. In verse 8, he points out that food does not give us entry or access to God. But food does not commend us to God. The word commend means to place beside or near. He points out that food does not make us closer to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. The partaking of certain food does not make me more spiritual. The word better means abound to overflow, be more excellent. But it's in the negative. It doesn't do that. This will not place a Christian in a favorable position before God. Now, Paul deals with it in Romans 14, the legalism. Some people say, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you should really just eat vegetables. I always remind people, if that's your case, then what do you do? God killed an entire world of vegetarians. The flood. <laughs> because they didn't eat meat before the flood. You understand? Now, the abstaining of certain foods doesn't make me less spiritual. That's the flip side of the coin. This will not place a Christian in disfavor with God. Not one or the other. So the problem with people is that what? Knowledge is not equal with all people. Which leads to the third and last problem. The problem with exercising one's liberty. Knowledge is destructive without love. So he comes full circle. He builds off each one. He comes to a conclusion. Notice in verse 9, the Apostle Paul declared a warning to those who are acting out of pure knowledge. Beware, lest someone or somehow this liberty of yours. The word but again, the contrast to the previous verse, and the word beware means to see with the mind's eye, 
to observe and perceive carefully. There's a caution here. Notice Paul stated the strong warning to the one acting on pure knowledge without concern for the immature believer. Become a stumbling block to those who are weak. He pointed out danger to the one convinced by his knowledge about the eating of meats offered to idols. The exercise of his liberty in eating the meat offered to an idol without any consideration for the weak brother. This is the point. He points out the actual danger. It causes them to what? Stumble. Even if the strong believer knows the food does not commend him to God, he still has to take the weak brother into consideration. He has a greater knowledge, right? Look at 10. The Apostle Paul declared a case scenario now as he comes to the close. Paul stated the fact of someone seeing another believer eating in a temple. For if someone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idle temple, he describes the one with liberty eating meat there. Now, the gathering is pagan, the place of invoking other gods. Now, sometimes we're in a position like that. Our, some of our families are still not Christian. And with the background, most of us have Catholicism. They invite us to baptismal. They ask you to be a nina and a nino, the godfathers. But see, you, 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 you can go and you should go as to be a witness. But you don't want to be part of that because you're promising Catholic Church that if they die, you'll raise them up in the, under the Catholic Church. And many people don't understand that. So I may go as a witness and celebrate, you know, as a family, but I don't partake of what the meaning and all that, you understand? So I have to be careful so that I don't become part of it. Paul stated the outcome of such situation to the weak brother. Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? The answer is yes. The one with knowledge has the greater responsibility. He's to be the example. He is to consider the weak one. The one who has a weak conscience might be emboldened to eat due to the practice of the stronger believer. I can do this. And then he eats. And as that steak is going down, he says, oh, I'm being one with Zeus. You understand? He's not mature. Look at 11. The Apostle Paul declared the consequences to the weak believer. Paul stated in the form of a rhetorical question to the mature believer, because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish? The point is, there's only one right answer. It is no. If you say yes, you get an F for the topic of love. (laughs) He's trying to bring the person to the point of love. He's trying to pull them out to agape love, not mere knowledge. He's trying to draw compassion out of him for the Greek brother at this point. The sense is that the tendency of this course would be to lead the weak brother into sin, to apostasy, or to ruin. Notice Paul stated the rest of the rhetorical question, for whom Christ died. He again points out that there is only one right answer. It is no. 
attempting to communicate the seriousness of the matter. We're talking about now the atoning of Christ, dying for others. He pointed out Jesus died in his place, just like Jesus died in his place, the strong, the mature. God loves and died for all sinners, making them brothers. So the whole thrust is we're a family, and we deny each other for family. We sacrifice. We consider one another, right? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. Now look at 12. The Apostle Paul declared the personal accountability of the one living out his knowledge without love. Paul stated the abuse of one's own liberty in Christ is to sin against a weaker brother. But when you thus sin against the brethren, he points out the believer still has sin nature. He sins and he will sin. Sometimes, again, the word sin means to miss the mark. Because he does not yield to God, and others because he doesn't resist the sin nature. It's both a choice. He points out the nature of the sin to wound their weak conscience. You sin against Christ. This is done by not considering the individual, but rather self. Now, Paul stated that sin is against Christ, the person belonging to Christ. He belongs to Christ, the immature believer. The person sinning is accountable to who? To Christ. You sin against Christ is a present tense. Now notice how he finishes, verse 13. The apostle Paul declared the guiding principle of love. Paul stated the conclusion of the matter of eating meats offered to idols. Therefore, one word, the conclusion is prefaced by the word, therefore. It is the sum total of everything he has discussed. The need of knowledge to be tempered by love for one's own freedom. Paul stated the potential problem of eating meats offered to idols. Listen to him. If food makes my brother stumble, stumble means to place a stumbling block, an impediment, to cause him or her to be offended to provoke them to do something that will cause them greater regret that they in and of themselves would not do. You remember being in the world growing up. There's always a, come on, do it. And you don't want to do it, but you know, ah, oh, you're chicken. And then you do it and you go, oh, why did I do it? Paul stated his personal resolution of eating meats offered to idols. He puts himself as an example, and he's going to show the example in the next chapter by denying finances. Listen to me here. I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. He would forsake meat if he had to for the sake of the weak brother. He's not saying he's going to, but if that would be the case, he would be willing to do so. Paul would be ruled by knowledge, not alone, focusing on himself. Paul would be ruled by love, the principle that makes knowledge effective. Notice he pointed out the reason, lest I make my brother stumble. The problem with exercising one's liberty is that knowledge is destructive without love. Now, I've left the application to the end because of the nature of the text. So 
Turn to chapter 10, because like I said, the whole section is tied together. The Christian is the freest man in the entire earth. Chapter 10, verse 23 and 24 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are edified. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So you can do anything, but not all things are helpful or beneficial. There's a lot of things that you can get involved in, but really they would deter your spiritual growth and the benefit to others, then really good, right? And you make those discretions. You know that though all things are allowable, you're not, not all of them will build you up. So you want to take the best route. Uh, we don't have meats offered to idols, so we can't make the application straight out. We don't have uh, those meats sold to the butcher shop, so we don't have to. It's not literal. But in principle, we can apply it. And we have to use these principles so that I don't become a stumbling block to others. And at the same time, I can't go to the extreme. Otherwise, I leave under, live under legalism and other people's convictions, right? So I want to be sensitive, but not insensitive. I want to be free in liberty, but at the same time, not be a bull in a china store. You know what I mean? It's important. You have the responsibility to make the decisions with knowledge through love for others' well-being. The principle can be applied to liberties in drinking, smoking, dancing. That I can do any of these things to bring people back into the world, someone that comes out of alcohol, whatever it may be. And yet people discuss and they argue all about these things. Why would I want to do anything that I used to do in the world that brought me pain and destruction and others? Why would I want to do them in the Lord now? That's my first question. Why would I even argue for any of that stuff? And yet even in those, we have to divide. If you're out in dinner with your wife and you're at a restaurant and you get up and dance with her, you should be free to do that. But if you say, hey, let's go dancing, and she gets dressed to kill, and you're out there in the hottest nightclub, and they're dancing in a way that's really not dancing, <laughs> that's a little different. You understand? The principle can be applied to my liberty before my family or my witness towards others in Christianity. I always have to consider there's people. Okay, don't we do this as adults? As parents, we have children in the house. There's a lot of things we can do, but certain things when kids walk in, we, we, we maybe stop the conversation because it's not for their ears. Not that we're talking about something dirty, but it's not appropriate for them, right? So we become sensitive, discreet. Though the text is not dealing with legalism again, as in Romans 14, the principle of love can be applied. Listen to Romans 14, 1 through 6 and 13. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for a man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine, nor do anything by which our brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not of faith is sin. So though legalism is being dealt with there, the principle of love is still the same, right? Now look at verse 25 and 26 here of chapter 10. 
eat whatever is sold in the um, meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So the believer is not to ask. You go to the butcher shop. Here you go. You're back in the days of Paul. You don't walk up and say, hey, dude, was that offered to Zeus? No, you just say, how much a pound? What does he say? The earth is the fullness of the Lord. He's blessed it. Buy it. Pray over it. Enjoy it. God has created animals for food and clothing, not to be worshipped. It's a problem we have in America. We carry dogs and buggies, put clothes on them, diapers, <laughs> brush their teeth. We are crazy. <laughs> Look at verse 27 through 30. If anyone does not, who does not believe invites you to a dinner and you uh, uh, desire to go, and you eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to an idol, do not eat it for the sake of one who's told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's, the fools thereof. Again, food God has given to eat. So someone invites you to dinner, and they say, hey, dude, this was offered to Zeus. I say, well, I can't eat that. Now you've let me know. Now you're either testing me to see if I stumble you or to see if I'm a real Christian. I say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not that hungry. And when you go to dinner, you don't ask him either. You just, hey, that was good, thank you. And you pray over and you eat. He qualifies it again, conscience sake. For the example and for conscience sake, but food is for you. God blesses it. Look at 31, all the way down to verse 1 of 11, because that's the better division. 31, he says, Give no offense either to the Jew, to the Greek, or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Imitate, imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. So here the Christian uh, is to be motivated by God's love. Whatever is to be done, eating or drinking, all is to be done to what? The glory of God. Now, we can eat in such a way that it's not the glory of God. We just keep eating, okay? Now, we can only burn so many things, you know? I mean, when you guys up your car, if it's half empty, you start filling it up. When it's full, do you just keep the throttle on? No, of course you don't. You only use what, what you need, right? You burn it, you replace it. Now, we need to do the same thing with eating. We can not glorify God the way we eat with everything else. I'm not, not legalistic about what you eat, how you, but I'm talking about, you know, we have an abundance. We do what we want. No offense is to be given to Jew, Greek, or Gentile. There's your three divisions. Jew, Gentile, or the church of God. And Paul's the example, the principle, seeking not his own, but the profit of many to be saved. And he says, imitate me. He puts himself as an example he's going to show us in the following chapter. So the problem of knowledge and love has what? A personal application, right? Gray areas, right? Things of responsibility, accountability. Charles V was determined to compel all his subjects to adopt the thinking, his own thinking about religion. Uh, thousands died rather to conform, and weary of his reign, Charles abdicated in 1556 and retired to a monastery where um, he amused himself with trying to make dozen clocks run absolutely together. When he failed, he exclaimed, quote, How foolish I have been to think that I could make all men believe alike about religion when I cannot even make two clocks run together. We're not all going to agree on some of these gray areas, ladies and gentlemen, but let's be loving and gracious. The principle of Christian liberty in eating meats to idols is love, which Paul characterized by three problems. The problem with knowledge is that knowledge is inferior to love. 
The problem with people is that knowledge is not equal with all people. And the problem with exercising one's liberty is that knowledge is destructive without love. Once again, he rebukes the Corinthians. In fact, he's going to give 1 Corinthians 13, agape love. That's what they're lacking. Pastor Xavier Reese with important simple truths and safeguards for living free in Christian liberty. Now, if you've missed any part of this important study or perhaps wish to pass it along to a friend, you can request a copy, and it's simply titled Knowledge Without Love is Destructive. It's available on CD for just $4. By the way, this message will contain everything that Pastor Xavier shared last time as well. The title to ask for once again is Knowledge Without Love is Destructive. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese discusses the simple truths about the heart of a servant of the gospel. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 